Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. When you really can't afford to tithe, are there other options other than money? This is a great question. There are some other questions that were mixed in with there. Uh, And in today's economy, we kind of can relate to this uh, question. Uh, There never seems to be enough uh, money at the end of the month. There's always more month than money, right? Uh, So we uh, live there every day. So we want to talk about today. Now, when I read this question, I read it and I hear something a little different than what was asked. What I'm hearing the person who was asking for their friend is this, I want to do what's right. I want to be faithful in my tithing, and I want to be generous in my offerings, but I find it very difficult at times. Uh, How can I still honor God when my finances are difficult? Or I hear I want to trust God with my finances, but I'm struggling to be able to do that. Can you help me? So today, we're going to look into God's Word and talk about finances. Now, I know when we talk about finances and tithing, it gets a lot of, oh, you know, you know how you say, hey, does anybody have a wallet I can borrow? Brian, do you have a wallet? Awesome. You trust me? Oh, you, oh, that's even better. Even better. I got Chuck's wallet. Uh, Chuck, you trust me? You trust me with your money? Well, good, because uh, I'm going to pull out my Amazon, because I got several things. I got a birthday coming up, and I want to just take care of it before we get too far into the message. If that's right. But when we start talking about money, our money, and then we start talking about other people handling our money, it gets a little uncomfortable sometimes even when we talk about God being involved in our finances. I'm not going to take anything. I'll give this back to you in a few minutes. Here you go. Go ahead and take that back. You don't trust me, so you came on up here to get that. (laughs) I don't blame you. Don't trust man. Trust God. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, So we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about our giving, about tithing, and we're going to talk about, in, in honest truth, what he says in his word here. Not what I say or what anybody else says or not what the TV preacher says, but what does God say about our giving, our tithing, our faithfulness, and being obedient unto him of what he asks, not what man asks. So first of all, let's just start by talking about what is a tithe. If you've been around church for very long, you know that tithe means 10%. Uh, The word tithe comes from the old English word, uh, teogotha, which means a tenth. And from this, we have the tithe that's commonly used, the the dictionary says, commonly used for giving to a religious organization or a a nonprofit that does good your your tithe. Now, with that definition in mind, a tenth, let's talk about how it relates to us to the Scripture. Now, if you're new to Christianity or you're a new convert, you just accepted Christ and you're taking those baby steps and you're going through growth track and you're going through the different things where we talk about our tithing, you're learning what a tithe is, which simply is a tenth of our income, 10% of our increase, the Bible says. So in the Bible, let's look at what the Bible has to say about our giving and about tithing. Now, before we actually hear the word tithe or a tenth, we see that God first implemented what is called the first fruits offering. Uh, He said that of all your increase, bring the first fruits of that unto the Lord. We see it as early as creation of man. We see it with Cain and Abel. 
We see where Cain and Abel, both were hard workers, one in the fields and one who was a hunter. And they brought their offerings and Adam, uh, Adam's sons, Cain and Abel, Abel brought his offering and it was pleasing unto the Lord. But the Bible says that when Cain brought his offering, it was not pleasing unto the Lord. And out of that arose a jealousy, a great jealousy uh, because of that. So much so that the Bible says that Cain killed Abel, his brother, over this matter. So... Uh, we're not going to kill anybody over our giving today. Just relax on that. But we do see where the first fruits offering was first implemented there. Then later we see in Abraham's life, we see in Genesis 14, just a, a few chapters back from the creation, um, the Bible says that he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Now, this context is where Abraham uh, had conquered four kings and their armies to save Lot and his family. And King Melchizedek was proclaiming that God helped Abraham. It was God who did that, and Abraham allowed God to use him. So Melchizedek is praising God, and after that praise, Abraham turns around and takes all of his possessions, he carves off a tent and gives it to Melchizedek, and the reason he did that, he would did it out of heart of thanks for what God had done in his life. Now, that's important to realize, because one of the reasons we give is to thank God for what he's done, but then we also see some other elements of our giving, and this was the time uh, when Abraham, he did not give this tithe to invoke victory. The victory was already won. God helped do the victory. He didn't invoke, give the tithe to, for something to get, but he did it out of thanks for what was given in response to his blessing. Now we move forward in the Bible to Leviticus 27, where Moses uh, pins the words uh, from the Lord, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain, from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy unto the Lord. These are the commands that the Lord gave Moses at Mount Sinai for the Israelites. So God gives a command to his people. And he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give a tenth of everything that you have, your increase, to, back to the Lord. I want you to sacrifice that back unto me. And once we fully understand the importance of tithing, then we'll begin to realize the, the importance in our lives and the benefits it can have in our lives as we are obedient unto him. In fact, being able to earn in itself is a victory for us. It's when we're able to, to, to be given because of our labors, and God has said, I want you to be a good steward of that, then that is a victory unto us. And so one of the reasons we see here is that we are to give because of that. Now, let's talk about why tithing is important. Once we fully understand the importance of tithing, we then can appreciate the act of doing it. Likewise, it is best to understand the importance of tithing so that we as Christians will be able to appreciate more and we can, as we tithe and as we do it, 
and in turn do it cheerfully because we're understanding exactly its purpose. If we don't understand why we do something, there's not much joy that goes into that. But when we begin to understand why we do something, then it gives us the joy when we're faithful and obedient to do that. So first of all, I would say that tithing allows God to work in our financial life. We are in essence saying, God, I want you to be involved. Chuck said, okay, here's my wallet. You can be involved in my finances. Uh, when we say, God, we are giving unto you, you're saying, God, be in my, in, in my finances. I don't know about you. I want God to be in every part of my life. I want God in my ministry. I want God in my marriage. I want God in my family. I want God in everything I do. And I especially want God in my finances because he's the one that can make the most difference in my finances better than I or anyone else. Proverbs 3, 9, 10 gives us a promise. Again, this is a promise to us. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So, plainly, in the scripture, if we believe it, just as we believe the things that Pastor preached last week, God says, if you will tithe unto me, you give unto me, then I will make sure that you're taken care of. He says, I will make sure that your barns are full and that you are blessed because of that. And when we obey God's commands on tithing, really it opens up the windows of heaven so that God can get things to us. Malachi 3.10 says that if we give, the windows of heaven will be opened up. In other words, God is saying, okay, one of the keys that unlocks blessings is your faithfulness in giving. You know, we have all kinds of disciplines. We, we pray, we, we fast, we read the scripture. Those are called disciplines, and one of those is also giving. And when we start having all those things working in our life, that door and the window of heaven begins to open. Maybe we pray a little bit, and God cracks it open a little bit. We fast, and God cracks it open. We begin to serve others and serve the church. It opens up, and we give. God just begins to open that window so that those blessings can flow. And I don't know about you. I could use blessings from God. Can anybody else in here use God's blessings? Amen. Well, then thank you for that. When we obey God's commands, it is as if we're giving God a license to intervene in our lives, a license to do things in our finances and in our regular lives. It's a license for God to do miracles on our behalf. It's like having a VIP pass where you can enjoy the benefits of God more than others can because you're being obedient unto him. So we see where tithing really invites God to be a part of our finances. Another thing tithing does, it helps us to rid ourselves of selfishness. The Bible says, Mark 12, verse 42, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They have gave out of their wealth, but she gives out of her poverty. She put everything, all she had to live on. Now, by nature, we are selfish. We have a sinful nature. You know, sin means selfishness. When we do things for self, that is sin. You know, when we do things for others, then we're more pleasing to God. So the, when you boil it down to the sin that we commit is because of our selfish desires, our selfish lust, and those things. So by nature, we are selfish, and, and that also goes with our money. We, we want to say, okay, this, this is my money. I made it. I worked hard. I earned it. And, and so this is mine. When God says, 
everything is mine. I am giving you this so you can uh, be a steward of it. But God says, the only thing I'm going to ask is that you give 10% back unto me. And if you do that, I'll see your heart. I'll see your obedience and I'll begin to bless you. And believe me, uh, God's blessings on 80% is a lot uh, or 90%. I'm going to do my math. I got something ahead of myself. God's blessings on 90% is a lot better than man's blessings on 100. So when we put God first, he can take that and he can, use, he, we can, he can use us. Now, in this passage I just read, Jesus pulls his disciples aside. He said, hey guys, come here, I want you to see this. We're about to take up the offering at church. You know, wouldn't it be fun? It's just, okay, hey guys, we're going to take up the offering. Uh, we'll have a group of men, we're going to watch you do that, you know. So they're giving in their offerings and they're watching the people come forward and they're laying their altars, the offerings at the altar and, and everything goes with that. And Christ takes that moment and says, okay, out of all these people you saw march up here, who gave the most? Was it the one in the expensive robe? Was it the one who uh, we know has a lot of land? And he said, no, it was the widow who only gave a couple of small coins she gave all she had, and she gave it unto me, and that's all she had to live on. I've often wondered what the rest of that story would be. I would like to have seen what happened with that widow. You know, did she go home and starve? I don't think so. I think God, true to his word, saw that and blessed it. I don't know that Jesus didn't go over there and pronounce a blessing on her, that she never had to work a day in her life. I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but I do know this, that God says if we are faithful, then he will be faithful to bless us. And I just have a, I have a suspicion, I have that, that thing in my mind that says that, that she was taken care of. Maybe somebody, one of the disciples saw that and it touched and it moved their heart and their lives. And they said, well, here, let me help her and be a blessing to her. And that's how God works a lot of times when he puts things on our heart. So we see here where the Bible says it's not the amount of money that matters but it is the amount of selflessness invested into the kingdom of God that matters when we obey him. He doesn't ask us to give the same amount as everyone else. He, gave, he asks us to give the same portion as everybody else. Your portion is not like someone else's portion uh, in the amount, but it is in the portion of it. And God says a 10% is what he asks us to do. So we established that the tithe is 10%. It helps us to invite God's uh, blessings into our finances. It helps us to ward off selfishness of keeping everything to ourselves. Now, there's another scripture that promises that God will protect us and, and do good in our lives if we give. Malachi 3, 8 and 9, just before Malachi 10, which I referred to a while ago. Malachi 3, 8 says, we're a, we're, will a mere mortal rob, rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how are we robbing you? He says, in tithe and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Wow. I've talked about the blessings that comes when we give and how God blesses us. But here is a curse. It says, if you rob God, then you can't be blessed in your lives. If, if you're wondering why things aren't going right and you're not, you're not giving and being obedient, then, then look to the scripture. It's just saying that unless you get that heart right, then, then the other things aren't going to fall into line like they should. And here's the reason. When, when man fell, when Adam and Eve sinned, immediately there was a curse put on man 
there was a curse put on the land. And the curse on the land uh, was that it would be hard to make a provision. You had to work hard for what you got. You had to work hard for your food. Now, I've kind of gotten, I wouldn't say addicted to a a television show, but I do like to watch it. It's called Alone. Maybe some of you guys have seen it. The theory is they take 10 people, put them out in the wilderness on their own. They have a camera. They record themselves. No one's around. They have a satellite phone. When they've had enough, they hit the button. But they have to fend for themselves, and they have to find their own food. They have to go and, and, you know, mushrooms and snail. Uh, It's, anyway, uh, it's about lunchtime. I won't get into all this stuff that they eat. But they they have to work hard just to survive. And when they've had enough, which is you know, usually 20, 30 days, they can't take any more, they've lost weight, and they're getting sick, they hit the button and they're rescued. But before the fall of man, it wasn't like that. God says that before the fall in the garden, everything was provided. It was all there, all the fruits, the vegetables, everything that man ever needed, uh, they didn't have to work for it. But when the curse of man came because of sin, then we have to work for it. But then God says, a little later than this, he said, well, I'm going to give you some help with this curse. He says, I'm going to let you show that you love me through your tithing, and then I'm going to ease the pain of that curse a little bit. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make provision for you, and and I'm going to make uh, ways that we can make it uh, with each other, and and we can make it uh, through your uh, obedience. So we, we thank God because he's loving and gracious to us and he doesn't want us to be cursed anymore. He wants to bless us and he wants to protect us from the effects of the curse and attacks of the enemy in our lives. So we see where we have the chance to experience protection, you know, from the outside, from uh, the enemy. We, We see where God says he will bless us and he will soften that curse of living, if you will, in our lives through our giving. Now, let's talk about the difference, and one of the questions was, what's the difference in the tithe and the offering? Let's talk about those two different things. Um, Sometimes we treat that as the same, tithe and offering. You know, it's time to bring your tithe and offering. We almost put it together as one. Well, there are two separate things here. Um, We see that a tithe is 10% of your income, while the offering is beyond the tithe. It's something that you give above and beyond. Uh, In every blessing that we receive, God only requires us to give 10%. God said, this is what I'm asking you to do. This is what the law is, and this is what the law he gave to Moses, and it's uh, confirmed through the New Testament, through Christ, that we should do those things. He said, this is the 10%, the tithe, that you are to bring to me, uh, and then the offering will be what you do out of your own heart, out of the goodness of your heart. And so he says that we give our 10%, that's God's, and then we give the offering, which is ours to give. The tithe, I don't consider as my money to give to God. I consider it God's money in the first place. So that's why in my finances, the first thing I do when I get paid on the first of the month is I take out that 10% and go ahead and get it to God. Because I know me, you know, sometimes at the end of the month, you know, I I ate steak at the beginning of the month, and then it gets toward the end of the month, and I'm eating hot dogs and Taco Bell and that kind of thing. I don't want to give God 
the tacos and the hot dogs. I want to give him the steak. I want right up front, just go ahead and take care of that. Then I'm not tempted. I'm not tempted to, to fudge on it and say, well, that's all right. That's God, you understand. I just go ahead and do it. And you'll be surprised at how God makes that, that blesses me in that. He blesses me in a couple of ways. He blesses me to be more frugal because I know that I have to, to manage my money well. I want to manage my money. I don't want my money to manage me. So it, it tells me, okay, I'm doing this and I'm giving this to God. God, help me, give me wisdom and help me to manage my finances in a way that's pleasing unto you. So we see that tithe is obedience to God and our offering is a reflection of our heart. What's in our heart that we give back to him? In Leviticus 27, verse 30, the Bible says, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain or from the soil or the fruit or from the trees, belongs to the Lord. He said, it is holy. That tithe, that 10% is holy money. And I want holy money to do holy work. I don't want holy money to do my work. You know, I want God to be able to have that to do what he needs to do. Second Corinthians says, and he's, then he shifts over in Second Corinthians talking about uh, offering, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So the tithe we give, we give that cheerfully, I give that cheerfully, but I know that God has asked me to do that. And then I get another extra blessing when I decide, okay, God, I, I have a little extra. I'm going to give unto you. I'm going to give unto legacy campaigns so we can expand, so we can, we can have airport campus building, and we can have uh, improvements here. We can do South Haven. And I'm just doing that because you've been so good to me. You've been so good to me, Lord. I just want to say thank you, and this is how I do that. So tithe is not ours, but is God's, while the offering is ours that we give unto God. Now, as I read earlier, God says when it talks about robbing him, he said, we're, we're a, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? And you ask, how do we do that? And that is through our tithing. So God says, obey me, do what's right, and I'll bless you for it. Don't rob me of what is supposed to be mine. Now, Matthew 6, 21 gives us a little insight about our giving, about our offerings. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. What he's saying is what you spend your money on reflects what's in your heart. Now, we know there's several scripture about what's in the heart. We know that what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. We know our attitude comes out of the heart. We know how we treat others comes out of heart, but also our giving comes from our heart. So giving is a, is a heart issue, not, not just a head issue, not just a head issue where we figure out what 10% would be, but it's a heart issue. Say, God, I want to be obedient unto you. So the tithe and offering may be a little different, but they have one common thing and that they are helping us to build trust and dependence on God for the one who will provide. He is our Jehovah Jireh who provides for us. Now let's talk about the motivation for generosity, for generous giving. And I love this passage in the scripture. Paul here is writing to the Corinthian church. And he's sending them a message and he, he talks to them about all the good they're doing, but there's one area they need to work on. Let's read, read what it has to say here. So now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian church. Now he's referring to the Corinthians, but he's talking about the Macedonians. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up rich 
generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. You get that? They were begging to give. They were saying, hey, we want to give. Please let us be a part of what's going on uh, in the work of the Lord. And it says here, they were in poverty. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also a completion, this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, he's talking to the Corinthians, you excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, in love, and, and we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. So Paul is saying, man, you've got these other things going for you. You're doing the other disciplines. He said, now, let's concentrate on, on, on the grace of giving and see what God will do in your lives, just like the Macedonian church. He said, I'm not commanding you but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm not going to make you give, but I want to encourage you. I want you to use the example of the Macedonian church. They don't have a lot, but somehow, beyond their own means, they're, they're being generous so that we can benefit, so the kingdom. They, they are doing just like God did for us. God sent his only son from heaven to earth to become poor, to live among us so that he can give to us that the most valuable gift he could give, and that is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Now that's a sacrifice of giving, God giving. And it's an example, he says, that the Macedonian church had discovered and they recognized and they were thankful for. So in this particular text, Paul is showing the Corinthians the extravagant giving by the Macedonian churches. He encouraged them to do the same. Paul wants to bring us back to the very reason we give to others, and that is because of love. Just as Jesus gave of himself to us because of his great love for us. And then the, the, let's talk about the, the benefits of giving. One of the questions that I read uh, was one about sowing and reaping. Uh, it was like the principle of sowing and reaping. And the question was framed in a way where it was talking about their past. If I sowed evil, am I going to always reap evil or is that forgiven? Uh, but I think in this context here, we can see some of the same answer. You know, maybe we haven't done all we can do and we haven't been as faithful and that's fine. Uh, once you kind of get your heart right, then your, your, your giving is going to follow that. And that's what I'm encouraging today, that we have our heart in the right place. If our heart's in the right place, the giving will be in the right place and God's going to bless you for that. So he says here in the scripture, uh, there is a principle and this principle of sowing and reaping applies also in our finances. He says in 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. 
Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase and increase you, your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, I'm all about a good harvest. I want God to reap a harvest in my life, but I know before I can do that, I have to be faithful in sowing. So when I sow into other people, I sow into ministry, I sow into the work of the kingdom, that's when God begins to bless upon me. And I've seen it over the years, how God has done that. And I've seen in you how God has blessed you. You show me a generous person, and I'll show you a giver. You want to be, uh, uh, you know, you want to be rewarded and be a giver. You know, it's, it's like the boss. The boss who is generous to his employees, they're going to work hard for him. They're going to do what's right. They're going to help that company. And God's going to use that and bless that company to make more profits. You show me a stingy boss and everybody's going to be, I'm only out for what I can get. But you show me a generosity. So it's not just a, a church principle, but it's a life principle. When we are generous to others, God gives that back into us. Now, as I bring this to a close, I really need just to get down to the real heart of the matter is this, that giving is the heart of the matter. Our heart is what matters when it comes to our giving. Because if our heart is not in the right place with God, then we're, we're going to be tempted to, to, to be stingy with that. So giving is a heart matter. And one of the best indicators uh, of our heart is how we spend our money. And our heart will always guide our wallet. Now, it leads me to the question, where is our tithing in our family budget? Here's where I came up with 80% a while ago. Here's what we suggest. This is a great principle to live by. 10%, the first 10% is God. Live on 80. Put 10% away for retirement, for later. Let it earn money. If you can live in that parameter, then you'll be blessed financially. Your needs will be met. First of all, God's going to meet your need for for you know, you giving, and then when you start putting away, then your needs are going to be met for later in life when you can just uh, finally take it a little easy and then you're getting paid really uh, at the end of your life. You're paying yourself, basically. You're giving 10% to God, you're living on 10, then you're paying yourself 10% for future. Handle your money before it starts to handle you. Make it do what you want it to do. Now, Perhaps the best way for me to describe how that giving is a heart matter is through my personal experience. I grew up in a church. My dad was a pastor. I don't remember anything different. You know, I was born into church, and we were taken to church every Sunday, Wednesday night, anything that was going on, I was there. You know, as a matter of fact, when we went on vacation, rarely did we take a Sunday but if we did, and I remember one time we took a vacation up to Washington, so we, we had to be gone on a Sunday. I remember Sunday morning, getting up, getting dressed, getting in the car. I remember my dad pulling over to a phone booth. Y- y'all know what a phone booth is, right? In a phone book. He went through the yellow pages and he found Church of God. He said, okay, here's one. And he stopped and asked for directions. Hey, how do I get to such a church of God? And I remember us pulling up to this little church in West Virginia. We're going to church because that's what we did. And so my mom, my dad, my two sisters, and my brother and, and I were in church. And I was on the very end. I don't know why it was my day to be on the end or whatever. And uh, we were in that church, and the music began to play. And it kind of got going a little bit, and people got excited. And there was some little bit of shouting and dancing going on. And I thought, this is really neat. I, I'm used to this. I've seen all this, you know, nothing strange. 
And uh, as the spirit began to move, people began to rejoice. And I was doing really good up until that lady I was sent by punctured my leg with her high heel. I had tears coming down my face and my mom looked over like, oh, bless his heart. He's just God's blessing him. I, I don't know why, that's not in my notes. I don't know why I said that. But I was in church. I appreciated the work of the Lord. I appreciated what the church did. I appreciated what my dad as a pastor was doing in the community. I appreciated all those things. And I appreciated their teaching me to give. And so when I was young, I, I worked, I started working at a very young age. I, I, one of the members of the church there had tobacco fields and he harvested tobacco and he sold tobacco and he paid his tithe on tobacco. He's one of our biggest givers that I could recall. So he asked me if I'd like to work with him and my job was to walk behind the tractor and if they dropped the leaf, I'd pick it up so nothing would go to waste and I would turn it into the stringers. They would string it, hang it in the barn and, and we did that every single week. You know, it's a process. Every week you go back and do the same thing. But I remember getting home and I'd have my money and I would figure out, okay, what is 10% of what I have in my hand? And I would put it in an envelope and give it. And I appreciated the fact that I was being obedient. God honored that. But it wasn't until I discovered not just the appreciation of the church, but when I really discovered the love of God in my heart, that took it to another level. Because one, I was young, and I gave out of appreciation to what God is doing. Then when I got a little older, I learned to give out an appreciation for what God has done. That changed the game for me. Oh, I still love what we're doing. I know that church is doing great things. Today, we're opening up a new campus, a grand opening, and God has done some amazing things there through your generosity. I appreciate that, and I've given to that. But when I give because of what God has done here, it changes my whole perspective because I could never buy my salvation. I've done too many things that are wrong. I've disappointed God, disappointed some of you. I know I have. But through the grace of God, he has forgiven me. He has called me righteous in his eyes. I still work on stuff, we all do. So I give because of that. Because when I get to heaven, I want to say, God, hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear him say, well, you were pretty good here, 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 but man, you, just, you, just, you couldn't trust me with your finances. And I don't want to disappoint God. I want to be faithful. So I guess the whole message today, this truth, like last week's truth, is God's word. It's not manipulation to make you give. It's not trying to coerce to, do, to, to pull money. It's, it's not prosperity gospel. That's something totally different. All this is, is God saying, if you'll trust me with your heart and with your finances, I'll bless you. He says in Malachi 10, he says, test me. You don't believe me? Try it. Now that's, that's pretty bold. God says, do it. So where do I start? It seems kind of hard for me to even get the concept of that. Start where you are. Do what you can. And see what God will do in your life. And before long, you'll find out that God's blessing you. You can, you can raise that level of giving up till you get to that tithe, that 10%. And that's our goal. Is that you are living 
a life pleasing unto God so that you can, can mature. The church is here to help us to grow, to be faithful believers. So I have to ask this first as you bow your heads and close your eyes. I have to ask you this. Is there anyone here today that would just be bold enough to raise your hand and say, well, first of all, I know I need to get my heart right with God. Will you pray for me that God will forgive me? Will you, if that's you, would you just raise your hand just so I can see you and pray for you? All right, God bless you. God bless you, I see that. I see you in the balcony. God, I pray right now for those who have raised their hand to search their heart and say, God, forgive me of the wrong in my life. First of all, first things first is to make my heart right. Lord, because I know that if our heart's right, these other things will fall into place. Because if our heart's right, we want to please you. We won't think of it as a obligation we have to do, but it's something we want to do. We want to live in your grace. We want to live in your mercy. We want to live in your blessing. Lord, I want the umbrella of blessing to always be, oh, my life. I know I can do that by being pleasing unto you through several ways, and giving is a big part of that. So I pray that you would help us to do that. And I thank you for these that raised their hand. I thank you, Lord, for forgiving them, setting them in the right path. Now, Lord, I pray a blessing over your people that as they discover what it means to be faithful in their giving, that you would bless them abundantly, that everything they put their hand to will prosper, and in the midst of their difficulty, that they would keep their, their focus on the important things. And, and if they're obedient to those, then you'll bring them through those difficult times. Help us be wise about our finances. Help us to be good stewards of what you have given us. Because if we can be good stewards of what you have entrusted us to be, your kingdom will advance. It will advance more and more than it ever has as we begin to be more and more faithful unto you. So thank you, Lord, for this word that you've given us today. And I pray that you would bless us in a mighty way. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give. We'll see you next week.